In this episode of the Now You Know podcast, we talk to 11-year big league catcher John Buck. Since his retirement, John has focused his energy on working with individuals and players directly with mental performance and mental health. This is a great episode for players and families who want to understand some of the key ideas of what it takes to play at the highest level. Before we get to the episode, parents, I want to ask you, how much have you paid on your high school player in an attempt to get recruited to the collegiate level? I have another option that will save you thousands of dollars, no doubt. I have created a masterclass on the process of how to get recruited the right way. This is truly a roadmap to put yourself in the right place at the right time. We discuss academics, finances, region, and location. In addition, how to identify what your skill set and what level of collegiate athletics can you truly play at. Many of you have probably already paid for college tuition simply by handing out money in an attempt to help your child get collegiate exposure. Let me help you save that money. We offer a class for 199 bucks, six hours of in-depth information on what you need to do and how you can do it. You probably are saying, wow, that is cheap, so the class must be cheap. No, the class is fantastic. We are just not in the game of ripping you off. Check out the link below to get more information on the class. Also, feel free to drop us a line for a free consultation. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach D. Jeffries and Instagram at Mindset Performance 2022. Or head over to our website, mindsetperformance.mykajabi.com. With that said, let's jump into our discussion with John Buck. Welcome to the Now You Know Podcast with Dominic Jeffries and Nick Sassage. A non-traditional look at competitive youth, high school, and collegiate sports. Helping players and families with insights and information to help you on your athletic journey. John, I want to talk to you a little bit. I want to talk to you about what you've been doing lately, man. What's going on with you? Yeah. So are are we, are we roll? Are we live? We're live, man. We're rolling. This is like a just your podcast, of course, in true form. It's like just hanging out with you. That's right, Um, brother. Just get a loose. Hanging out, (laughs) just talking baseball. It's perfect. So evident flow natural. That's right. Um, well, I got uh, most recently, I'm assuming probably what you're saying. Uh, so I did the, the healing through hitting with the police officers, first responders. I, I mean, I've always, since I came home, I was always about the mental health part. Of, like, because I knew, like, then growing up it, in the Buck family, it wasn't the physical thing. Is <laughs> what uh, we were going to keep our noodle in line. Right. To get us where we need to go. Right. And... <clears throat> So I think I came home wanting to push that message <clears throat> and wanted to push it in Little League Baseball, like what we taught. I mean, heck, I, my mission, I've been with you. Heck, we've been talking for five years about this thing since I came home, and you kind of run in the same thing in your own way. And that's why we kind of kindled together, right? right? And I think finding the way to share that message was key. I think people that I looked up to that I think were heroes and things why I was at my peak in the big league was when I got to go overseas and do that visit the troop thing. And this thing that I related with them controlling the zone or flow was the thing, because at the time I was dealing a little bit with the anxiety thing and the yips, whether it was the foul balls off my prefrontal cortex or the, the sliding at second base that Aaron Hill hit me. And I was able to track that with some slow the game stuff down, which I applied in this camp, which we can get into. Yeah. And it was my knowledge of being humble enough to self-evaluate that said, hey, I got this thing going on. That it's happened because of brain injury or a, 
uh, post-traumatic, the, the Chuck Knobloch, whatever you want to call it. I was able to kind of learn what that is, control it, get a hold of it, and have routines and rituals to help me prevent it, make limit, limit it. And then I think overall conquer it. Obviously, I've had access to people like uh, Rick Ankiel and stuff that have battled it itself and in their own way and be a part of a bigger baseball movement. But how I wanted to like, like give that to the world that the work that I've done and, and the experience I went through, how, how do I share that? Cause I tried to share it through travel baseball and I don't think it was received. Well, there's too much wanting your kid to do good. Even my own kid, whether it was my own kid, cause I'm co- trying to share this message with my kid. It was, it wasn't, the message was, wasn't coming through clear. And so I, my, my mission was really like this very one focus, what these men and women deal with every day that makes them peak performers being in the zone. Mm-hmm. They're like that's life or death. And where I'm seeing, and I feel what's going on in the world. Like I see this, like things happening with the first responders where they're maybe making not the best decisions, but that you see in the way that they're doing, it's almost in defense, but then they snap and they go too far. I, that's that little John Buck that couldn't hold his tongue and told Mike Littlewood to F off <laughs> right when he was 12. I'm like, what the F are you looking at, Littlewood? Holy hell. Like, you know, so that was, couldn't control it. And now to be where I'm at teaching those cops that sit like that thing that's always been hard for me. And then to share life experiences with them, that thing, how Steph Curry shared stuff with me, that's what the camp was about. Because learning how to control that flow. I feel like it's secret sauce and to those, those first responders in those situations where it is life or death and you're in flight or flight to yeah. understand it, to control it, to live in it, to be in it. We do that as baseball players, whether we realize or not this whole, what's a mentally strong player, a mentally strong player, really knowing who your weaknesses are and be like man enough to humble enough to be like, I suck at a B and C, but I'm super dope at, CDF, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And how do I close those gaps and do whatever? That's a mentally strong person to me, not just who can look like their eyes cold all the time. Now, who can get make themselves optimally happy, you know, get, get the most out of your performance. And in that zone and flow stuff with the at-bat where we get to be superhuman and have the on-deck, that's what healing through hitting really was in a nutshell. So how did they receive that? Like, Obviously, I'm sure some of them were ex-athletes, some of them not. But were they able to click with that? Because it's interesting to me because, right, that that high level of anxiety, that high level of fight or flight, you're standing there looking at a 102-mile-an-hour fastball or you're standing on the uh, the sidewalk looking at a house go up in flames or whatever it is. Like, it's all in, man. And how, how did they deal with that? How did they take to that? Well, <clears throat> see, I, I also set it up to where I had Ryan from Slow the Game Down where they're doing visual. We all had sight. Right. So we're I connected to them on a real scientific level where they could see where their focus us as baseball players, soft focus, narrow focus, hyper focus, low inside part of the ball, seeing seeps, right? And where they start to understand this, the world, perpetrator car, perp, right? In their world. Teaching, hey, let's do this. This is what I'm doing as an athlete to pick up spin on one eighteenth of a second ball striking and, I, and like I need to be optimal. So what are those things I did with Ryan visually? Cause that's what triggers me to have a good at bat. 
Then here's a funny thing, which is I know me and you have vibed with. I love playing with the zoner flow because what changed my yips is the Marty uh, in Miami started doing Brooke found this. Brooke and uh, Jamie Burley, Mark Burley's wife, pitcher, right, when we were in Miami, started doing boxing. It was the same one Frank Gore, right, when he was working in the Super Bowl. Remember that guy that was boxing? If you look at one of those videos, me and Burley are, like, in the background looking at, like, probably nobody looked like this when we first started. We didn't look like boxers. It was like (laughs) balance was off. It was like, but the coordination and the footwork, was the same as my hands. Mark started finding balances, and it was obviously a good workout. And I started understanding to learn how to flow. And out of that, it was weird because I was starting to learn and exit away from being in the zone or flow state with baseball, which I normally grew up doing. I was able to go back to baseball. In my mind, I didn't have all those, if I throw it away, like this analytical brain where I'm like, Like it was lessening. It would still rear its head, but it would be later in its session, my throwing session, or later in a bullpen or whatever. And I and it felt like, oh, this has happened. So in second stage of my cage, I have Josh Berkman, right? So Josh Berkman was the UFC's people champ or oh sorry, people's warrior. I said people's champion a couple of times. I believe the correct word that that Dana White coined him was uh was the people's warrior and i had come to him in the off season like uh like wow still playing because i had a piriformis syndrome going on and some life stuff that he's this utah kid he's had divorce he had he had this athletic career going on and this life going on and having to deal with the balance of life and how do you still train how do you stay sharp yada yada right mental health um and we started talking about breath work, meditation, priming up our day, setting our day. And also with him was I was so bound up football player. <clears throat> I wasn't like breathing at contact and breathing, throwing and in my hips was like, and he was able to through movement out thinking outside the box. He was making me move like a gorilla. And the way I was moving for a gorilla, he's like, I bet at contact, you don't breathe. And I was like, I didn't even think about this. I went back to breathing and I was tightening and then started doing those gorilla walks and movements with him and realized how my body was bound up tight and I wasn't using my breath work. So I, of course, started using breath work, breath work and striking in a different way, using exercise in a different way. And Josh was a huge part of that and uh uh, Marty with boxing because at contact being in the zone or kind of flight or flight and to be able to still think in the zone and not like what my head was doing like the what ifs I was able to exercise being in the zone so when I went back it was very fluid so Josh built a program when the cops came in to feel what boxing was in a because I told him the what I wanted biomechanically for them to feel, he would go in and feel that balance wise with the pivot where I believe your swing all starts from the ground up. So as that pivot through, just like a punch, they would do that after that uh, station and got connected with their body, breath work, really mind, body, and soul. They would go to 
Allison, after making content, kind of getting the heart rate going up, uh, Allison's my cousin who has her doctorate uh, and does a lot of same stuff as you, Dom, uh, and also has a brother who was military who I thought walked on water. We'd be at Thanksgiving. He would disappear on a mission and then show up. I just thought it was dope. He was my hero. So, But she was always that person in our family we went to whether you're professional we have a few professional athletes in our family we have a few special op military and first responders in our family she was that one who was kind of that doctor therapist we went and on and and it felt safe you know and i think that was the response to them is having a safe way to feel these things but not have to express them like us baseball players right it's I don't need a psychologist. I need a sports performance coach. So we provided some sports performance coaching right out of that experience with Josh, with Allison. And then they came to me for your hitting lesson, which uh, the approach was fastball, middle way, adjust off speed, which even saying that, whether it was uh, we had an older lady named that she came in, I think she was 67, I think she said she was. She came into my cage and was telling me at the beginning, I can't do this. There's no way in hell, no chance. Her second time through, just from saying fast, the way that she said it, I said, hey, what's your approach? No way in hell. No chance I'm doing. No way in hell. I am 67 years old. There's no way. Her last time through before she got in my cage again, because I do two rounds, just from having the at-bat and having the tools she then with purpose from Ryan, from Josh, because then all of a sudden after lunch, they get it. They're going through their second time. Then they get it through Allison. Then she comes to me again. Then she, I asked her again, what's your approach? She's like, I hunt fastballs middle of the way. I crush off speed to right center. And I, whoa, yes, you do. I believe it. You know, and, and it's this little swing, and she's like analyzing her balance. She's in tune with her mind, body, and soul. She's activating flow state. So then she gets done with the session, and her, from her to some other gentlemen, some other responders said, I haven't swung in 30 years. This is bringing up awesome memories back in the day. Um, they're, they're activating flow state. That's an uptick of good serotonin in the brain. I don't know, but our first responders could use it. If I could use it going over four with guys left on scoring position and the professionals in the world will pay for me to have these performance coaches, I just feel like after they get shot at, my cousin who got shot, get shot at, right, in the Harriman PD, he didn't have anything after him getting shot at his deceleration. If you remember, I was just over four and left a few guys stranded. Oh, John, come over here and let's worry about your yips. I was getting this uh, profession and it was helping because my yips, I was getting this program going away, but it was learning how much my ego was getting away in the middle of that zone. Cause think about this. Here's where how they kind of got it. Fastball middle away, and you start feeling good. Where do we go as we think as a ball player? Start thinking, ego, left field, I'm going to hit this in the seats, right. rather than sticking to our approach. So I was playing with that. As soon as they start feeling good, like, ah, you came off your approach, and they'd be like, oh, I did. 
So that was the little secret piece that I was really trying to stress. And then giving a, a pregame on deck where we as baseball players, we're, we're kind of superhuman. We get to have a relationship with our flight or flight. Like we have in our sport, we have our own little flight or flight station called the on deck station where we're learning how to tap into like, Ooh, those butterflies are coming. All right. If I was a grandma, I'd be ready to lift a car. If I was, you know, a little kid being able to run faster away from a dog, these things that you go into this superhuman mode, us as baseball players, we've found a way to hone in on that where our intuitiveness picks up on fan end of the glove, tilting of the elbow. So those things that I naturally have been taught by my gym fan in and other mental coaches in baseball, I just relayed that and I just said, hey, put you in your arena. You're sitting in your car before you go out to this perk because I also got some help from my cousin and some veterans and stuff to help build what to say because I didn't know. As you're sitting here and you do this traffic stop, same way I do this, right? right, I just saw a fastball middle way to right center off Erlander. I know what my perfect approach is executed. Holiday, right center, Philly, done, go. Now I know my A to B. I know what my B looks like. I know what it feels like. Now I'm prepared if I need to make adjustments, if things happen. Like one officer told me, so, uh, you know, a lot of compare and contrast to make fun and light so they have time to reflect. I said, all right, who think about what's a left-handed curveball, like a left-handed weirdo pitcher down there you got to control as a catcher or a pitcher, like what do you got to control of and what's your curveball? What's your curveballs in life in your guys' arena? And I know it's funny. The one officer goes, well, I had a naked lady jump out, punch me in the eye and give me a black eye. And I just had to like kindly ask her to sit down. I'm like, that's a curveball. Yep, you're right. So that type, if you think about kind of stress and to be able to, someone hits you to hold that much restraint and then do it, they do that a lot. Right. And so it takes one or two of the ones that not go and then it gets viral. So my objective is really that secret that helps us be superhuman, stay back and hit a curveball. I want them to stay back, make the right life decisions so that they're not a YouTube sensation. And it's not something that's happening that we see in the news. And the other benefits that I, I, that was one goal. And then of course my mom and my brother having suicide mental health issues. And I think me going right out of high school and being raised around psychologists, I went right into, Hey, this is a performance health. Like I didn't see it as I was a weirdo because remember my brother just suicide my dad. It was right away. I needed it and it helped my life perform better. I just didn't think, Oh, how do these correlate? Like I didn't intersect them. It was baseball life shut off and it wasn't it wasn't healthy and that's some of the stuff that josh and breath work and what i was i think was manifesting in all this when it wasn't healthy uh it helped me separate it and those are some tools that are also in the camp with allison and people uh it's really how do you give that life mind and balance on when you have a job that's it's it's i can't like some of the stories even doing it and having family that did it to get a grasp of it when it's like hint of story. I mean, I just get little hints in a hitting lesson. Oh, this relates to what you're saying like this. And I'm just like, yeah, like that. I'm thinking, no wonder 
that's a hard job. No wonder they're having a little trouble. So it was fun to see that because the reception was cool. The mental health part, there was several that that said, hey, I needed this. This was awesome. And uh, it made them move towards stuff that the police had available, readily available. It was just that fun thing to say, I'm not reacting to this like I know I can. Because we're tracking eyes on uh, post-traumatic stress and then CTE. Your eyes, because remember I had slowly, here's the secret sauce. Those real perfect. I do the fun hitting lesson. I got some professionals, like it would be awesome to have you, Dom, where you could, you understand what they're saying and emotionally what's going on after they just did a hard task. And when they're really journaling that and you're taking it as a, there's some real good things because they are connected with their mind, body, and soul. And when they can kind of say, this is, this is what I feel like, that's when you become a, a one percenter. That's when I got to be an all-star when I was like, all right, ego at the door. You can't be cussing at Mike Littlewood if he bangs you on a ball that bounces. <laughs> you can't do that stuff, John. You know, I was able to uh, to handle and use that energy in a positive manner and, and then, in, in a unique way. And I, I, I know those same skills will help them in that, you know, in that arena that they deal with every day. Yeah. Kudos, kudos to you. I think that's an, that's an amazing, um, you know, that's an amazing, amazing project you're working on and, uh, you know, doing a lot of good where it's needed. Right. And I feel like it's, it's not necessarily looked at as something that, you know, we need to dump a bunch of resources into, um, which I think we do. Right. So I think that's, that's awesome that you're doing that. From your own perspective as a player, at what point did you jump on the mental performance train? Like, was that in high school, college, pro? Like, at oh, what point see, did- I was lucky. Yeah, I was lucky. I had my uncle w- play was playing at Nebraska, uh, and they had the first uh, kind of mind body connection where I'll tilt my camera down here, where they had it called psycho cybernetics, and so like connecting, doing patterns where you do that. And then how you mentally prepare. My uncle was doing that. And they had my uncle go take ballet with all the football team ballet. And they had, um, they do like a musical skill or Spanish or some, some critical thinking. And I remember having these tapes that, that they gave to the football team that my uncle gave my mom to give to me that I did these. And at the time I was in gymnastics and I, I practiced that with gymnastics, gymnastics and the repetition and the rehearsal in your mind, visualizing my routine. Because I remember my mom, the re- original reason that I got these tapes is I was on my floor routine, doing my floor routine, and I forgot my floor routine. And I was just standing out on the floor just like, what do I do? Just, ran, just started running around doing some hand spring, you know, hand, hand, you know back hand springs and stuff like that. And I just forgot. So I remember getting those tapes because it helped my mental rehearsal. The same way with mental rehearsal with those guys equipped with us. The more that we understand and know where our fastball middle of the way right center is, that's that clear, precise objective of where we're going. And that's kind of where I learned that with that psycho-cybernetics out of that. So it was 8, 9, 10 where I started, was introduced to it, but it was – introduced to it like a uh it's a healthy way to be an athlete because you upregulate yourself you perform with minimal thoughts you downregulate yourself and i think where i i connected 
what this performance and spiritually what this is and how I feel as a mental health because I can start to articulate it was because uh, uh, I, I knew I was crazy and I was focused and was battle and I was I was I only had one strikeout and that's when Littlewood tossed me out right and all Little League so I was getting what it was doing performance wise I wasn't letting outside distractions get me where I want to go but when I when it would go wrong. I would go south, right? Um, so I think having having that experience with Littlewood and then having Steve Cramblett, who was my high school coach, who's in the Baseball Hall of Fame for Utah Sports Hall of Fame, which, which he should be. I, I The first book that I can say that I really read cover to cover and knew that cover to cover really read it and could obtain it. Remember, I'm dyslexic. So when I say I read it, it took some work to read this book, but was Heads Up Baseball by Harvey Dorfman. And then that's when it like, whoa, this is about me feeling this way as a teenager and stuff started going crazy. I could feel it. I had stuff going on with my parents, my mom being an alcoholic. I was like, your mom's not even out, passed out on the ground before the game. Like, you're worried about an 0 for 3? So I was using it in that very real context where it was, felt very life, where I was saying I was using psychologists and sports performance coaches in that way with my Heads Up Baseball book in some family therapy stuff that I had going on. So it was like, whoa. Then Cramblin and I became very close where it was like, he was like, call the games, John, you got this. And then it was like, ooh. I could like, I could get drafted. I could like, this is a skill set. I bring the most out of Grinky or Harvey or like, this is a skill set. So it was, I would say the graduation from my uncle, psycho cybernetics, heads up baseball with Cramblet was really the life changing thing that I said, Ooh, this is maybe Cramblet saying, if you could fix this one thing, you'll get drafted. Remember Littlewood? It still hasn't changed. So that was like, ah, oh, all right, give me that book. I'm going to read this thing. <laughs> yeah. You've talked a lot about, mm, and I, I want to drop something on you. I, I, want, I want you to think about this and talk to me about it. Yeah. Everything we've talked about, in a sense, has the rhythm component, right? The thinking rhythm, the physical rhythm. When you talked about the fingers, the patterns, everything yeah. is rhythmic. And when, when you talk about the yips, you, you, you did this. And, and I know for listening, you can't see it, but it was out of rhythm. It was uh, 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 uh. breath breath work yeah yeah rhythm so if we can just in life in general right you, you talk about first responders you talk about baseball guys you talk about sitting at your desk doing your job I, I i'm trying to teach and i'm starting to teach the idea of rhythm within just not people think rhythm oh i can dance great but is your mind in rhythm is your heart rate in rhythm is your breathing in rhythm right and to me that 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 completes the circle because i think when we str- st- struggle we are out of rhythm. When we are able to say we are in rhythm, therefore we do not struggle, it sounds really nice, right? It has a flow to it. And then it takes me back to the idea of flow state, right? Things are just working. Everything is rhythmic. Everything just kind of seems to make sense. How do we yeah. teach that? Like, Because I talk to a lot of people about it, and, and athletes are like, yeah, well, yeah. my swing is, you know, it's, it's clunk. Okay, what is clunk? Can you get it in rhythm? And when I, when I have small breakthroughs, say, with individuals just in hitting – and all of a sudden, everything works together. Man, it's sweet, right? But it's, it's really so cool. hard. 
there was it was really cool. So I had Ryan here from Slow the Game Down, right? And it was really cool. He was telling me Bellinger or somebody was calling, right? And it's about concentration thing, which we all know us baseball players are ADD, right? So what it does, and I think it's in the prefrontal cortex, what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a disrupt of that pattern of, mm-hmm. of rhythm of going. Because we like to tend to think in the future real quick. We think mm-hmm. about the result. And I think if uh, what you're saying in a drill that I like to do is I like to, you ask the student or the player, like, count for me. As we're doing soft toss, count for me. They will all have this natural rhythm. I'm fast. You can see the way I talk and move. I don't, I'm, if you ask me, it's like one, two three, four. If you ask David Wright, one, two, he's calm. Like nothing, like he's, I think he's alien. I think that's <laughs> my, maybe our first thing is, is he does it so calm and he's so wired perfect. And then he controls it when he needs to get up. He can cover that rhythm of what makes a good baseball player. He's born in within that rhythm. It takes mentally, I like where I said, I'm very humble. I do work a little fast, but my brain's able, 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 capable and able to maybe go two or three hitters ahead of time, play that game, and then get the result when I come back. So I know that it is a hard thing, but it's also a tool. But I, I, because I use it as a tool, you, you wonder why catchers aren't real good hitters. Everybody says, why are they good hitters? Well, there are a couple. And if you ask them, they're the ones that count like David Wright, Memento, Zanino, Osmus. Those are the guys that have hit 300. They have that able to do it. Your Saltimakis, your Mies, your – look at us. We're all like that. We're the ones you're getting Adderall and Ritalin because they're trying to get that close. <laughs> they're trying to figure it out. Am I right? You're yeah. the one prescribing no, it, no. so you know. No, you're but 100%. I think it's tatting it on with you because I could know because I got to play with this. When you give me that Adderall and Ritalin, it'll be like, I remember thinking it would be one would flash in my head and I could see that dang thing in there. And I could see the roundness of a two when I said two. And then when I don't, it's foggy. Mm-hmm. To me, that's brain fog. Mm-hmm. And then it's also the sluggish of that rhythmic one, two, or do I even want to do it? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, super exaggerated for sake of conversation. But those were the emotions or feelings I would hear off my rhythm. Does that hit on what kind of what you're saying? Yeah, 100%, man, because here's the thing. ADD, ADHD, right? It's not one, two, three. It's one, mm-hmm. two, two, three, five, nine, four, two, right? And that is confusing, right? That's taking your brain and your brain saying, what do we do here? And we see a ton of dysfunction and I'm not saying massive dysfunction in a negative way, but within ADD and ADHD, because it, there isn't a lot of rhythm to it, but if you can find the rhythm in life, if you can find the rhythm at the plate, if you can find the rhythm within your job to where it's steady, now it's going to speed up. And at times you're going to have to speed it up. And at times you're going to have to slow it down. But the idea of like, for example, a first responder, boom, that chaos hits, gunshots go off. You better be in rhythm. Right, that 102 mile an hour fastball coming at you, better be in rhythm. Still in a bag, still in a bag is very rhythmic. It's not just like I'm going to run right now, right? It's cadence. You're it's prepared, rhythm, hundred percent. So I, I love that man, and I so I've been pushing that idea, that model, and I don't know if it has a name. Just intense, just teaching rhythm, right? Things, walking I, rhythm, juggling, doing those type of things. Add to, I'll add to this. I think music is the gateway to the zone. Yeah, man. So you think you think. Mozart, you think these things, 
music has the ability to change your mood. Mm-hmm. So think, why do we have walk-up songs? Right. Right? And why do we pick them? Why do we put so much into it? You should you should have your playlist of walk-up songs that are your uptick, like you say. And then there's some, when I'm headed to the field, me and Brooke just got into it. She told me my towel folding sucked. <laughs> and I'm running an organization, but she told me my towel sucked. I'm pissed on the way to the field. So I got to listen to little Jack Johnson to bring me down. Because I can't go in catching Matt Harvey already pissed off. If I go in there, that's two of us pissed off. That's not a good combo. Mm-hmm. Now, if I go in there and I'm pissed off and Zach Branke is pitching, that's okay. Because he's a, he's asleep for both of us. And I can be awake for both of us. That's how those two work. And I knew how I had to be kind of – I'm trying to throw out life scenarios. Yeah, with yeah. Two good names, two drastically different personalities. So mm-hmm. I both dealt with. So I think I used music. Those two guys going to the field objectively, oh, I'm catching Zach. I need to be this way. Because if I went and stepped on Zach Rinky's toe, same way I did Harvey's toe, no bueno. <laughs> Zach would never want to talk to me again. And, and it would be some intellectual talk of how long did it think of you to talk? I would step on my t- We don't need to do that with Zach. We <laughs> just let Zach throw wherever he wants to go. <laughs> And, and, I, and I think that's preparation because if I came into that arena with Zach and I used music, if I was out of that rhythmic, he doesn't hear me. He doesn't, he's not receptive to what I'm putting. He doesn't hear what I'm saying. He's not listening to Racy John because I'm not on his rhythm. And that, that's another thing that I using music helps me raise or lower me of whatever picture, arena, classroom setting that I'm going into. When you're working with young, you know, younger players, youth baseball players, where do they start with something like this? Where do you guide them to to get this kind of mindset going? Well, a lot of my lessons, because uh, Don's been here and he's seen it. I try to stay away from mechanical things. When you come into a hitting lesson, right away you go mechanical stuff. And I've always tried to approach, like, that's enough of that, especially the good ones with your Crawford, your Murphs, your Don. Like, there's enough of that in here, Right. Dale Murphy's up the street. You got Wally Joyner. I'm a catcher, but I also know how to get you out with your approach. So if I could teach hitting in a way of what I'm doing as a cat and what I'm looking and the energy, it, I'm the as the rhythmic aura that you're putting off, I'm trying to back you off and speed you up and throw that rhythmic off, right? And and the more I can be receptive to that, that makes me uh, helps me hit 220. And, Keep a job. Keep following me, right? Yeah, so, yeah. and so it also helps me that skill set to get that guy. I see it helps me reach towards because I know what they can hit. Biomechanically, growing up around here with Bob, I can see how their bodies and having Murph and Ken, uh, Ken teach me and Murph, we understand the body and how I could get somebody to do it. So, matching that up is is a fun game through an approach. So, a lot of times when they come in. I say, all right, you came over here. You're coming over to my house. You had all these thoughts, pop, 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 going on. What if by design, you came over here by design, you're telling me what you want to do next time you come. And when you do, I want you to have a walk-up song. Because every time you go, whether to a game, to a practice, back from Subway, because you had your first game, you go to Subway down there in Mesquite, and then you come on over here 
back up to the field too, right? Play your second game. If you're going to go in that car, that's a good habit ritual to go home or a headphone and get that song right now. Right now, mine's uh, the Drake song that I'm listening to. It's, uh, what is it? Something Bars. Something bar, uh, Don't ask me. You're out, of, bars. you're out of my league. Behind behind bars, right? Behind bars. Because some of the stuff that it's saying and stuff, it gets me going in the morning. So I strategically ice bath doing those because it gets my rhythmic going. I, It's more of a feel of like what you're saying, Tom. I feel that rhythmic of where I want to go, where that B is and where I live it. I feel that, that attitude of that song. You listen to the piano when it gets going in the morning. It makes me feel like my wife. The things he's saying are confident. Like, watch me, world. I'm about to go on my second turn, meaning about ready to do the ceiling through hitting. And I played my baseball my second turn. Here we go. And it says, going, you know, going back to basics, I'm not going to lose. Those things are like, I'm doing basic stuff right now. This got me to the big leagues. I'm just reteaching what I know got me to the big leagues. But instead of trying to, Getting people to big leagues, this is the right stuff. It'll confirm it. But I feel if I focus on what I think our country needs, our city, our state, the mental health part of it, being the the performance, sports performance uh, part of it, of mental health, you know, and all those good things, I feel like the, my message will be received for that part of it. Yeah, I can do all the physical things. Like, yes, every like, test me, ask me, I'll do them, I'll show you. But if I knew if I could take this arena and said, hey, look at this is what I'm talking about. When Steph Curry comes in and tells us about as soon as that ball leaves his hand, there's zero time wasted. I'm not not the guy that make the shot. I'm talking – I need to go a little bit longer on my finger. It's zero wasted that he's not the guy to take the shot again. It's not – I suck. That There's a waste of time. And ha- think of it as ball players because we have all these little times in between, just like golf. That analytical brain comes in, and we're off our approach. We're hearing our coach say "blank, blank." We're hearing, seeing our dad do this, and we're trying to do that, and, and we're not thinking to our approach. So, just like with those first responders, you got the, apparently the crazy lady giving you black eyes. You're doing all this. Your parent, those same distractions. What's your approach? fastball middle way right center with all that noise so i teach those kids you're coming in with all that noise you do a walk-up song when you come into my lesson for the second time you have those three things and they describe to me oh i want to be hit with more power i want to see my fastball middle way a seven eight or a nine and meaning i saw it with clarity a seven eight or nine and i want to finish higher they, they come in, they tell me, right? And it's, they do the work, they do this body of work, but then I really teach them the pregame process. What I'm, um, cause I've dumped a whole bunch of stuff just like I do this call. And I'll say, hey, give me three things out of what I just dumped on you. Three. Cause your brain can't get anything else. And then you think about it when you go to sleep, see it as if it's done. Wake yourself up in the morning, do a walk up song on the car ride over here. And tell me those three things. Because we're going to master those three things. So in your mind, you come in the practice of having an approach, knowing where you want to go, being clear and concise. You come into the arena. That's in-game. You practice that to eliminate outside thoughts. 
And then when you leave, when you come down off of that, what's bubbling up? What is that? Is it the same three things? Or is or did you get to layer two of the the one? Here you stripped it down so you replace it with a new thing. And then here you're you're getting real deep because it's about approach. I don't know. So you learn to evaluate and then that way you don't get too much. The analytical brain doesn't run off. You're able to stop it and have routines and self-discipline to say, ah, I'm control of this. It's a, for lack of a better term, it's the, it's the like military, why they make their bed in the morning. It's the activation of why do I get in a hot ice tub and sit there for three minutes? It's that self-discipline of, ah, I'm not going to self-talk like this. It's activating that thing that's, it's a muscle. And we just got to, it sucks. And it, it, we just got to stretch it. Feel. Uh, so my brain, like now, it, it, whenever I talk to you, John, it's interesting because it makes me think out of the box and, and I'm an out of the box thinker. And I try to teach things and talk to people in ways that maybe aren't standardized, right? Not that, you know, I, I read enough books through, through graduate school and this, and it's very standardized. And I, I think there's so many ways to learn. And, and I, I, I think of the word feel. Like if I feel something, if I have a good grasp, a good feel, there's a flow to it. There's understanding of, of how it works. I think mechanics play into that feel. I think the brain plays into that feel. But as I've got older and looked at different ways of, of being successful, just like say I jump in a cage and take cuts. If I can feel what I'm doing and I don't think about what I'm doing, I feel what I'm doing. And to me, if I can grasp a feel of a process, because I can think about a process all day, I can say, okay, I need to go A, B, C, D. But isn't it quicker? Isn't it easier to say, I feel A, B, C, D. I look at it through different lenses. I look at it through a little deeper level than just, okay, get in the cage. Here comes the curveball. You know, it's going to break into you. Keep your hands back. No, 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 no. Feel it, man. Feel the work. It was uh, one of the things identifying the way your brain thinks and how you process content or data coming into your brain, your little computer. It's really cool. As Ryan said, like uh, he stood up in front of all these police officers. He, hold, he held up this his can, right? And he said, look at this little spot here. And he's like, do you see my shoes? Do this and that or whatever. He started talking about focus and how much their brain, the computer could take in. They're looking at that one is a well-defined spot, right? And he was able to do that and then to get them all focused. So now they're all focused on the same thing. Then he said, all right, now listen to my voice. Don't watch my hands. Three plus four plus three plus two. What does it make? And then people are like, how many did you see my hand? Or did you listen to me? How many of you got nothing? And, you know, of course, all different types because we had 100, 100 officers in there, right? And 25 of them were listeners. They got it by sound. I mean, 30 of them were uh, visual. They got it. They, they counted up what he was adding in his fingers visually. And then and he had another one going on the other. And some were able to pick up, be able to add that, what they're seeing and what he said, which blew. And he was like, whoa, you're the, you're those Navy SEAL guys, right? You're those guys that are those super guys. So, uh, it was cool to where guys were to do that. So where you're saying you're a feel guy, you would it would be interesting. You'd probably be a lot like the the double figure guy, but uh, identifying your brain and how it receives it, it helps you learn. So doing that and having that feel. So in that station with Josh with breath work, 
Then when you come to my station, we do some dry swings. And that's my on-deck swing when I'm prepping them. We have a feel. I make them swing right and left-handed because the feel thing that you're talking about, Dom, I love feeling, teaching myself what I'm feeling. So then my my brain on my so if I'm swinging right handed, I know it. You're not thinking of things. And then over you come over your side, you go to you feel weird. You don't feel those things. And so the things that you naturally you over come over to the other side, it helps you relearn the uh, foundation and basics on your right side because you're reaffirming your foundation on your left side. So mm-hmm. a little added tool. Do you that, listen? I learned that from Ichiro, by the way. So that's not I'm not smart enough to come up with that. That's an Ichiro thing. He happens to be pretty good. Yeah, he was he was pretty good. <laughs> do you do you listen to music or do you feel music? Because it's two totally different things. I feel it. Yeah, I yeah. feel it, but I really the emotional state that puts me on makes me believe those words, like how those words yeah. and those lyrics, and I put that and they mean so much to me. Where I I put it in my routines and rituals. Or if I'm on doing long drive or pre- professional long drive, I have my songs for long drive. Because I don't want to get too amped because too much adrenaline. The Why I'm good against those guys, they're going like this at the tee box. I'm like an at-bat. That can, that's how I know that us baseball players, we we like that a little bit. <laughs> like we like doing that superhuman thing. Mm-hmm. I could see that, that I, that I had a good ability to like <sighs> put that T in and I was able to get my eight balls in the grid where on one of them on – uh, the Dochambeau, they're going out, right? Or the players that are hitting further than Dochambeau when you had them on those, the big guys in the long drive. But Dochambeau goes up there and gets all eight of them in the grid because he's able to hold it. Now, the that all those guys are going, they're not able to control this. He's able to and bottle that energy into that well-defined zone. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of the way of on the golf course. And my music, if I go too much, I can feel that because mm-hmm. I get too amped. And when you're 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 attacking, there's four degrees in, two degrees closed to get that perfect draw. That I mean, baseball it doesn't do that. Where music, where I can feel that, and the music they play in long drive, it's a thing you can feel it. That thing that you're talking about, you can feel it. That's why in long drive. They have that upbeat music because it's triggering on exactly what you're talking about. Of course you picked that up. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like I knew during warmups whether I was going to have a good day or not. Right. And then as a coach, Uh you know, nine years as a head high school coach, I could watch my guys warm up and I could tell you who was going to have a good day and who was already struggling. But why do you, why do you think you, those days, think about those days that you said I could tell beforehand. Why? That routine and rituals, you were like, you were selling that commercial. Like my routines and rituals, because I'm a weird, quirky guy, can picked up. Every time I waited that, when that thing comes off, it's a commercial selling me on me. I'm the greatest guy to ever come out of Utah. And that habit started when I was nine. We're near anybody close to as good as anybody in Utah until I was. And that's the same trout. You hear trout talking about that now. And you were doing that as a good habit. That's why you became a good that day you had more than good than bad that's why you were a good college baseball player is because you got to that level because you've got more habits you did that but i bet you could have probably done better if you knew that strategically like oh i'm doing this a good habit and and that's my point right like if i would have had those tools eight nine ten years old where would my ceiling end up 
well, you know, where would that have been? Right. And I, so <laughs> I think, I think you bring such a good, good point. And I think, you know, what would be, what would your advice be to, to that player, you know, who steps out on that field and just doesn't feel right already. Right. Like my cleats feel weird. My gloves not, you know what I mean? Like you have that feel as a baseball player, like either I'm gelling or I'm not, how do I get in that zone pregame? If you have if preparations, I think the the first thing, right? Being self-disciplined to prepare because you know, if you don't know baseball is going to be hard, you're dumber than I think. You belong in the bullpen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the back end of the bullpen, just come out, you better be throwing 99, 100. So, <laughs> right? This game sucks, right? It'll, it'll, and if you think you got to figure it out, it'll kindly slap you in the face and show you they don't, right? It's it's a tough game and you gotta be one constantly learning. So I think that has the built in attributes of it to where being prepared with a spot, because you know it's gonna suck. It's gonna be hard. You should have a spot in every stadium that's your higher ground spot. And a practice in your life that you practice to get to higher ground. To where you could go that you could realize like it's really not that bad. Like let's get real. I'm playing baseball. And with the weird if you need to, like, I'm in this country. And if you need to, I got food. And if you need to, I actually got a place to sleep. Like, I don't know your story, but I know that it's a practice that you, like, practicing gratitude. It's not just baseball. It's, that's life. And if you want to feel that good, that's a really good way to trigger, like, like my gloves are sick. My shoes look sick. My calves look, my forearms <laughs> look shredded. I'm selling me on me. I'm the one that's got to get this hit anyways, right? Start saying, oh, my gloves look dope on me. I love how my pine tar is like this. It takes 10, 15 affirmations to change a mood. It doesn't take that much. And then you throw songs and rhythm to it. You can alter your change. And now a spot in the stadium, a higher ground spot in the stadium for heads up baseball for me would like be foul pole, whatever stadium. Foul pole's always there, top foul pole, whatever it's like. They're always there, top of the foul pole. Or the utmost furthest stadium in a, a seat. Because if you'll watch, you'll watch guys that actively do this, because I know a lot, Jim Cannon has a lot, and there's a couple other mental coaches that I've been on the team, performance coaches. They say to look at the last stadium in a steam, and you'll see them when they strike out. They'll look up when you see the guy walking after they strike out, and guys are, have their head in the air. There's something to do with your vagus nerve or something that I've done test. As you walk up, it's harder to hold a bad thought in your head while your head is up. Dom, am I am I right on that? Right with that science of that? Yes. It's harder to hold a bad a, a bad thought when your head's up. So actually, I punch out. Boom! I immediately throw my head up in the air. Like what you're saying, uh, you can't get rid of it and have a bad day. We'll find that foul pull. Look up there. Reaffirm. <sighs> homered right off of uh, Verlander, right? Boom, I'm back. I'm starting on my path of uh, selling me on me. That that was my – and it was – heck, some games, that was every pitch. You know, <laughs> facing Verlander, going over four, being – losing 100 games in, in a year with the Royals. I learned how to use those tools quick in the show, you know. So, uh, a lot of trials. John, I'm going to put you on the hook for one more question. And I know yeah. your time is valuable, and I, I thank you enough for, for, for joining us. What can we do to better youth baseball to help parents, to help – and I know this is a big question – to help parents, to help players 
swing the pendulum back to the idea of that it's a game? I think we need to get to the point where our conversations in our car rides, the pregame car ride, setting the mood and the tone and the rhythm correctly. During the game, parents, and even me as a parent, and I'm, I'm doing a better job of this. I'm my, my son's 14. So it's not just saying parents, you guys. It's me as a parent. Me as a parent. Because I, I, in ways, in conversation, this isn't just a one-time after a bad game. This is conversations with your child. This is car rides. We have a lot of car rides in a year of taking our children. That's a tool. Don't like don't five, 10 minutes, sacred, sacred time with your children. They're priming up to go do their passion. You're never going to get a more engaged person in the world. And if, and if they're just YouTubing on the way there, start watching baseball things. If you're going to baseball, if you're going to gymnastics, think about baseball things. Parents start a baseball conversation. There should be thinking about baseball things. They should start to narrow their thoughts. They shouldn't be talking about Pokemon, girlfriends. Uh-uh. Mom's mad at you because you failed your spelling book, spelling test. You need to start. Okay. We'll deal with that after this hitting lesson. I'm learning how to be a professional. Check it at the door. Get into baseball mind frame. And then when I come down off of it and I post game and I'm going in, I will deal with my my spelling test right but now i am in the now i'm I'm practicing flow thoughts and eliminating those oh mom's gonna kick my butt (laughs) might be your that might be your distraction your score breaker so if we can lessen those thoughts you're primed to be receptive to coach dom when you come into your hitting lesson then you're practicing those reduced thoughts zone performance thoughts what you should be doing thinking about fastball, middle way, right center, and dealing with ego rather than, oh, analytical stuff, which I fell in the trap of, and then post-game parents, that another sacred ground. When we're out there uh, playing, we should be thumbs up. When they're going home, this is your job again. Listen first. Here's me. I will raise my hand. I am the first one to want to vomit my ideas because I'm the professional athlete to my athlete children. I'm the first one to want to give my opinion. I need to be the last one. If I'm saying I need to be the last one, you need to be the last one. I got to say, hey, dude, great game. What do you got? It's the hardest thing to do. And as soon as they tell you, then they're going to already, they may be thinking about the sick play they made. They want to be, you want to ruin their creative brain? That creative brain will be so much more receptive that you want to yell at him about throwing his helmet or <laughs> whatever the parents want to talk about him. Right. Listen to him. And then they're going to be receptive. That was a key that uh, my mentors, even after my playing days, he said, hey, when I was talking to you, I had to listen to you. This was by design. You need to be this better as a parent. And I was like, oh, shit. All right. Yep. So that's one thing on on me as a dad. I am still constantly um, how was it, son? Okay. Okay. All right. And then share my opinion. Uh, he's, he's, and I've found that he's more receptive and I've, it's also helped me think through the things I want to say to my son where I haven't given him some of the garbage he doesn't really even need. It's, that's my own ego. So it's listening 
it's understanding, it's validating. We talked to Adam Law from, um, he's the Dodgers mental performance coach last week. Yeah. And he talked about praise effort, not outcome. Love the way you run the bases. Hey, I love those swings. Didn't matter you banked the wall off, ball off the ball or not. It doesn't matter. And, and I talked to him a little bit about what we do in our household. You have five minutes. We'll talk about this for five minutes. We can process it later once though everything cools down, mm-hmm. but man, he was so big on that and just, and just giving the kids that confidence, that ability to, to communicate, to talk. And I know old school, right? It was like you got in the car and you heard it from your dad for 25 minutes or you heard it from your big brother or this. It was like, boom, boom, push down your throat. But Be man, seen, not heard. That's right. That's right. So I love the idea of listening. And our thing too, man, is a big trying to get uh, information out to the parents because there's a lot of parents who just don't understand it. And that's fine. That's It's not a knock. It's not a hate. There's millions of things I don't understand. So I appreciate that, man. And and, and once again, I, I can't thank you enough for giving us your hour of your time, man. I know you're a busy guy. And, and like I said, I could talk to you for three hours, but but I, you know, it's Sunday. It's the it's the Lord's Day. I, you know, I got to. That's right. That's right. That's right. Dave, but see, it's a day of renewal. Day right? of renewal. We're, we're, we're day of renewal. We're here. We're renewing our minds to just <laughs> battle this next week coming. That's so right, man. So tons of love. Well and, work and, the activity. and I want to talk to you too. And we'll, I mean, obviously off air and we'll talk a little bit later. I want to do some stuff with you on parents and, and working with parents and some stuff like yeah, that. Man. Fact, I mean, heck, why don't we just do this on this, uh, this podcast and kind of make it official. I would like, uh, I know that uh, I want to do some stuff through this healing, through hitting. I, I know with some uh, special needs kids, I know mm-hmm. that's right around your your heartstrings as well. Yep. Uh, I think there's an arena of this because I think we all operate in a fl- flower zone. I think there is a, a, a life rhythmic feel that we all feel. And I think baseball, when you're doing the hardest thing in sports, I think we tap into that. Mm-hmm. I think we do tap into our superhumanness. And I just want to use a hitting lesson through that, using that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you're tapped into that, dude. So I would love to do anything and all that with you. And then uh, it's evergreen. There's no parent programs out there. So uh, That's right. with this healing through hitting, I think some of the stuff that I've talked with the special needs, because you bring that up, mm-hmm. is uh, these parents that have these special needs kids that are, forever babies right they're there with them like companions it and it's like having a you know a season of a hundred where I, I whine and bitch about 165 days a year 300 day season and 180 days they they're 365 365 24 7 yep. and to be able to have a routine or ritual about themselves as a parent as a person and not always be that caretaker when when to be that caretaker, when to give yourself your space, when to have your life, it actually makes you a better t- caretaker. That's kind of mine and her. Her name, you know, is, she was big in Cooper. Uh, and Natalie uh, Castro's the girl. She actually ran for Miss Utah. Okay. You can look her up. She was uh, Cooper's, uh, she was with Cooper and uh, he had some occupational stuff when we were younger. And she's now amazing with child development and has really gone into some special needs stuff. Worked with Dan Marino Center in Miami. That's where I first met her. So we've been talking to do that with the parent program. So I'd love to do that and get you involved with that, Dom. Yeah, man. Always available, 100%. Like I said, we'll talk about cool. it. And, and what I love, man, is that you're a baseball guy, but it's so much more than baseball. When you when you play the game like we do and you put as much time and money in your case, your hard-earned money, it's, when it's not coming back, you're doing it for passion because you believe the way – 
it's teaching you about life. Like I said, baseball's, it's not nice. Life's not nice, right? Uh, Tom House would say it's a negative game taught by negative people wanting positive results. Right. I feel like especially life is, is that way. But us as baseball players, we, we find a unique way to lean into our failures and get better out of it and, and find a way to like, hey, these trials are making me better. And that's what baseball is about is just just keep getting better every day. And, and the lessons that it teaches, I think, you know, I think that's what gravitated towards me towards you is the way you would teach your kids. When I was watching you down in Springfield teach your kids, I was like, like you said, the way you were talking to your children, I was like, oh, that guy thinks the way I do. You're very strategic when they swing it at a high pitch. Hey, what are we looking for? You're not saying, hey, don't swing it at it. Like people like me notice that stuff. Right. You're bringing them back down to the focus. So I think that stuff's big. And, and just the more conversations we can have about that, I think we're already good baseball around here. I think it just adds a layer to uh, our professionalism uh, on the field if we address that and make ourselves strong and well-rounded players around here with uh, mental health as well. Just appreciate it. Appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight. It's, it's awesome to, to finally meet you, hear your philosophies, hear your story. Um, I think it's incredibly valuable, and as is your time. So thank you so much. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we get to know you a little better. Be yes, around sir. a little more. Yeah. All right, Johnny, have a good Sunday, man. Hope you enjoy it, and uh, I'll holler at you this week. Awesome, Don. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Now You Know podcast. Go ahead and follow us, and you will be notified each week of our new episode. You can listen to past episodes anytime on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you can visit our website at mindsetperformance.mykajabi.com. There you can find our master class on now you know how to get recruited to answer any questions you may have on the collegiate recruiting process, as well as information on how to work with us directly. Have a great day, and I hope you join us for future episodes.